Super Talk Mississippi media production. What's the key to discovering delectable dining? Find something that sizzles. A time-tested favorite. A feast for your eyes and palate. And a dining experience handled with care. In Vicksburg, the key to the South. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Gatman. That would be a little weird, although there might be an American Idol winner from Gatman. I think if you get an American Idol winner, you might have to talk about having a strange. You might as well at that point. So we'll see. We'll see if we can make that happen. And over in Bruman, you know. Yes. So well, right, we might right on the Alabruma border. We might. We might have to get. Uh, what's his name? Colton. Colton something. I don't know. I don't might have to get him that. to 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 push that. Colton Stow. We'll make it happen. Wherever I, you are, in my in my opinion, I like the other guy from Amory a little bit more, mm-hmm. but this guy's good too. I'm, so you're not, telling I'm all on me, board. I'm all on board with him now. We got two American Idol guys, not just from Mississippi, but they're, from Monroe County. They're about I think Gatman is what, like 15, 15 minutes away from Amory. It's maybe. not far, yeah. It's not far at all. Yeah. So yes, they are they are within the same vicinity. And the other guy, Zachariah, worked at Bill's hamburgers. In, in Amory, which is a famous yeah, the landmark right? in Amory. Yes. Yeah. So that, I mean, and that, I think that might actually be his family. I'm not sure. Wow. But it's it's pretty insane that those two guys were right down the road. I think he was, he went to Amory. I think he, I think uh, Colin went to Hatley. Mm-hmm. And they were right down the road from each other, end up being top five American Idol. Just unbelievable. Well, there you go. He was Colin was actually at Hatley yesterday doing a his little come home concert thing that they'll yeah. air Sunday. So pretty cool. Everybody should tune in to American Idol. He's he's good. He's solid. He's a he's a HVAC guy, just a good old country boy, and uh, he's got a good voice, good style. He's got a shot. There you go. The ladies like him. There you go. Well. You don't have to be an American Idol to enjoy Strange Brew Coffee. You can just order it to be shipped right to your home. If you don't live in Starkville or Tupelo, head over to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. They'll be get you taken care of. Any kind of coffee machine you've got on your counter, they got the coffee for it at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. Everything maroon and white. Clothes, they got an incredible selection of polos, pullovers, hats, t-shirts, everything there. But then they got the other great stuff for the house, for the car, for your tailgate. They got great gift ideas. Father's Day will be here before you know it. And that means you need to grab something 
from College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area to serve you. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, Floyd by the Half Shell, or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler remains to this day Starkville's finest restaurant, the best lunch in town, the best dinner in town, and on Sunday brunch, they just can't be beat. When you're talking about dinner, if you've got a special occasion to celebrate, you want to go to Restaurant Tyler. Great selection of steaks, pastas, uh, seafood, everything you want. Whatever kind of, of eater you've got on the menu, they've got a great, not not just a, 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 a choice, but a great choice for them on the dinner menu at Restaurant Tyler. And as for dessert, you know, I haven't really talked much about the desserts, right? I, I haven't done that, you know. Because but, a lot of times, by the time you get there, you just can't eat. Right. But when you go out to a nice dinner and you want to finish it right, my favorite dessert in the city of Starkville is the stuffed pancakes mm. at Restaurant Tyler. Mm. They are incredible. If you think you know what it is, you don't. It is a, a treat, though. So next time you're there, just, just trust me. What are you a stuffed pancake from Restaurant Tyler? Starkville's finest restaurant at the corner of Maine and Washington. 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout central Mississippi. That's what we're going to focus on because that is what's important. They keep it local, and that's what you should do. You're just talking about it. Eating local, shopping local, banking local. Very, very important. You want to have a relationship with your local bank? It starts at Priority One. Go to PriorityOneBank.com to find the location nearest you and start building that relationship with those good folks today. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk to Cole Kublik in just a moment. Uh, a lot of great football talk with him, but of course some MSU flavor to that, and we'll, we'll get into that later. State hits the transfer portal for a big player, and Robbie and I have an announcement to make. We'll do that at the end of the show uh, about a very fun project we're going to be putting together uh, in the coming months. But we'll start with Cole Kublik. Let's go ahead and just go right into that interview. I talked to him on Tuesday. Uh, Cole Kublik from the SEC Network, from ESPN. Let's talk SEC football, and let's talk Mississippi State. Another week, another college football expert here on the podcast, Cole Kublik, SEC Network, ESPN. There's nothing this guy doesn't do. And, and listen to this. If, if you are a college football fan and you want to talk about college football and you don't want to hear about all the other crap, the NIL, the expansion, the, listen to Cole's podcast, The Cube Show. That is a great college football podcast. I urge you to check it out. Cole, we'll start close to home for you. We'll start with Auburn. You know, I think back to Hugh Freeze's first year at Ole Miss, and and they were a much better football team coming out of that first year than they were going in, you know, after Houston Nutt. They were really competitive. They won some games they probably shouldn't have won. They went to a bowl game. Can he do the same thing year one at Auburn? Can they be not only, you know, a better team, but just a more competitive team in each and every phase of the game? Yes. And the main reason for that, Brian, is talent. I mean, he, it's funny, I was talking to, I saw Hugh twice last week at the Regions Golf Tournament in Birmingham. And then we did the Lutz and Kirkin event down in Sylacauga. I kind of caught him off guard when I said, Coach, you realize that there's a good chance that half of your starters are going to be out of the portal that you've gotten coming into this season. He kind of looked at me weird and I said, you know, not, not necessarily on one side of the ball, but when you're talking all 22, like this, there's a good chance half those guys could be out of the portal. And he's like, man, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. So they've upgraded at least three spots on the offensive line. And I'm talking just from a talent perspective, maybe four. They've upgraded a quarterback, maybe not from an overall talent perspective, but of just knowing the position, how to play the position, being able to manage the offense. Um, you look at wide receiver, even though that's still a position of need, they've upgraded it. Tight end, upgraded it with Fairweather. 
They've upgraded the defensive line with Justin Rogers and a couple of those guys, linebacker with Austin Keys coming over. You've had you got two or three linebackers that are probably better than what they were going to have. So I, I think you're you're going to get guys that are just more capable on that football team, and then I think you'll bring a scheme in that is just let's be real. It, it's a little bit easier to be successful running that offense in today's college football than it is one a little bit more West Coast pro style based. You got to really have your guys to be able to run the kind of offense that the previous regime wanted to run. So, yes, I, I do think that that football team is, is going to be better than it was a year ago. Are, how much better are they going to be, you know, week 10 as opposed to week 2? Eh, I think depth obviously has something to do with that. So I, I don't know really if I would say that I, I feel comfortable that they're going to be a much better team later in the year than early. But start to finish, I, I think Auburn fans will probably be much more pleased with what they see on the field. What does what changes your expectations with bringing in Peyton Thorne? Does he does he add a win to the Auburn total for you? Uh, if not more, I think it's operation of the offense. And like I, I, I told Coach Freeze, we were joking around. And I said, the, you know what I'm most excited about with Peyton Thorne? And he kind of he looked at me and I said, kid's not afraid to take the check down. And then when we started our presentation. He like actually brought it up again. He's like, you know, Cole pointed this out earlier, and I, I had thought about it. He said, but. He's like, the, you know, the check down is the girlfriend that never leaves you. And, like, you know, that, that, that's your safety <laughs> valve. And he said, not being not being afraid to take that, there's a ton of value in it. And, and I know it sounds hokey and corny and people that doesn't get anybody excited, but it's real. If you'll, if you'll turn and just dump it off to the back and take your six or four or eight yards, like, that's going to get you a lot of second manageables, a lot of third manageables. And that keeps your offense on the field. So, I just think he understands all of it a little bit better than Robbie Ashford does right now. He's more accurate. He understands protections. He does a lot of the line of scrimmage. He's a two-year captain there at Michigan State. He's just going to bring a, a different dynamic to that locker room. And I think he's also going to cause competition. He hasn't been named a starter yet. We all believe that he will start. But Robbie Ashford can still go out there and push for it and battle for it. And maybe he becomes a better quarterback because of it. So, uh, I, I think in a lot of ways he's going to add a lot of different things to not just the Auburn offense, but the Auburn football team. Let's go over to the SEC East for a second because I want to talk about Florida. That's who we're going to be looking at next week on our uh, our SEC preview. And, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I was really high on Billy Napier. I thought he could come in and get them going. But that year one, to, to go 6-7 and seven with a top five draft pick is kind of weird, and I don't have a lot of expectations for them this year. What, what's Florida going to be in year two under Billy Napier? I don't know either, and, and I'm not really afraid to say I don't know. It was, it was interesting on my morning show with McElroy today. We talked about the top ten returning players in the SEC and just how there were no Florida players on anybody's list, and I think we could have gotten down to 18, 22, if not higher, Brian, before we would have gotten to a Florida player. Mm. Um you know, especially up front on defense. Like, when was the last time that Florida didn't really have a guy on their front seven that truly scared you? That you just kind of looked at and said, God, I don't want to go against that guy. It's, they, they don't really have it right now. I mean, the Cam Jackson kid from Memphis is transferring in. If they can get him going on every play, you know, he can be a guy that's a problem. Obviously, you know, Prince Lee Umelain, uh at defensive end, he gives you some flashes, but he, he's not a guy that really scares me on every play. So, and then offensively, like I, I actually don't – I'm not as down on Graham Mertz as a lot of other people are. I, I think he can be solid in that offense. And I think Montreal Johnson is a much better back than people give him credit for. But you lose a couple of offensive linemen. I don't know how the transfers are going to fit in. You know, the kid that they got from Baylor can play, but he was in the portal, then out of the portal, staying, not staying. I don't know what his status is right now. You know, Damian George couldn't stay on the field at Alabama, so I'm not just going to automatically say that he's going to be, you know, a glass eater there in Florida. 
So, and you need offensive linemen to run that system. You just do. That's what you have to have. So, I, it's hard for me to look at them and say eight wins. The schedule, obviously, starting off at Utah, not easy. I would not want to play Tennessee early. If I had to play Tennessee, I'd want to play them late because I think depth is still a problem there. Um, you know, at Kentucky is kind of early in the season. Don't love that uh, because, you know, that's that's one that has been a little bit of a headache for them recently. And I think the contrast and style of being sort of a blue-collar team that Kentucky is, is is not really what Florida's ready to face against right now. So, I mean, just look at the road schedule. At Missouri on November 18th, I hate that for for Florida any year, much less a year that they don't have a ton of talent. At LSU the week before, at South Carolina, at Kentucky, at Utah. I mean, just the road schedule alone probably tells you this is going to be rough. And then you go look at national championship contenders on the schedule. Florida State, LSU, Georgia. Some people might say Tennessee. Some people might say Utah. I mean, goodness gracious, if you get six, it's probably a pretty good year, to be honest with you. We'll put one right in your wheelhouse here. Who is the best offensive lineman in the SEC this season? Uh, we talked about that on the show today, too, because there were no offensive linemen in my top ten. Oh, my God, it's a huge um, upset that that didn't happen. It, 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 it really was. Uh, both, both My producer, Damian, and Greg were both shocked when, when that didn't happen. Mm. Cedric Van Prime would probably be in the mix, returning center at Georgia. Tyler Booker, guard at Alabama, would be in the mix. Um you know, Emory Jones, Will Campbell, two tackles at LSU, both look great last year. Uh, Dylan Wade could be. Pat Tulsa transfer at Auburn. I think he's got a chance to be. Like, Amarius Mims is going to be a great tackle in the SEC. Um, he's still got some room to grow there at Georgia. Uh, Javon Foster is a kid at, at, at Missouri, plays left tackle that nobody knows about, who I think is really good. I don't know if there is a best right now. I'd probably say Cedric Van Prong just because I know everything he does for that offense and, and how he's played when he's been in the Georgia uniform, but I think it's kind of a logjam of a bunch of guys towards the top that have a chance to be the best offensive lineman in the SEC. Like, J.C. Latham's the guy that everybody says, but, like, I'm not sold on him being the first tackle off the board just yet, so I'm not real sure who that is right now. Let's stay with the line, but we'll go to Mississippi State now. We had Jacob Hester on with us last week, and he said his biggest question about Mississippi State is how the offensive line transitions from the air raid to a more run-heavy style of offense. So I'll ask you, because you know, how do they make that transition? What's going to be the biggest key for them? Learning how to block stretch zone. I mean, that's, that's it. and it's, it's, it's not a whole lot different than what some of them had to do um, a couple of years ago when they had to learn the vertical pass set 70 times a game. I mean, they're going to go from basically the same pass set 60, 70 times a game to now run an outside zone 30 to 40 times a game. And those are very different worlds to live in, very different. Um, now, I, I don't think from a conditioning standpoint or anything like that it's going to be a problem because they've, they've played a lot of snaps, but it's just you're, you're being asked to do different things. And – you know, it is interesting. I think there, there's an advantage that they have with their offensive line coach and Will Friend because, you know, they, they wanted to get that going his first year at Auburn, and they kind of couldn't get it going, so they didn't run it as much. And there's going to be a lot of more emphasis on it year two, and they got better at it. So I think him recently being inside of a scheme that sort of had to learn it and had to, had to develop into it, I think that gives him some advantages in coaching it. But there is a feel to the zone play that you have to have continuity, you know, rhythm, understanding where guys are going to be, who you need to help, how much you need to help them, when you can leave, when not to leave. And those things only come with snaps, Brian. You've you got to do it and do it together. And I, the only way to get good at it 
because dude, it gets guys that are trying to make you look bad. I mean, doing it full speed, and there's not a ton of full speed reps in college football right now. So I, that's a group that I could easily see. Week two and three, people are like, oh, man, that's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And then week eight, nine, ten, people kind of saying, man, that state offensive line was pretty damn good. Uh, because it's just, it's, you've got to get game reps and high level practice reps to get good at it. And this, let's be honest, they're not going to get a ton of practice reps with it because that's not how college football operates anymore. This may be an overly simplistic question, but is it an easier transition to go from what they were doing under Mullen Moorhead to the air raid? Or is it an easier transition to go from the air raid to what they want to do this year? Mullen to the air raid. Really? Because keep in mind, a lot of the stuff that they were doing under Dan Mullen was, you know, position block, shift, things like that. So the physical portion of it wasn't always as demanding as what I think this is going to be. Uh, you know, they're, they're still they're going to run some duo. They're going to run counter power. But the stretch zone is going to be a lot of where they live. I mean, they, they want that to be the foundation of this offense. It's, whether you look at it with, you know, Dwayne Ledford at the Falcons and how he runs it, or, you know, Satterfield when he was at Louisville, or even kind of go – you know, BYU-Baylor, how that's morphed with Grimes. You know, they all, it's all built around the stretch zone concept. And it's just it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I can tell you, you're, we went from Terry Bowden, who ran isolation run play, yet with a fullback, but at the same time we wanted to be a spread team. Yes, we, we, had, we, were, we were schizophrenic. We had personality disorder in that offense because, you know, he wanted to be I-formation run right at you, but then he wanted to be his dad and have – you're Charlie Ward running around back there. You can't be both those things at the same time. And but I, once Tuberville came in, our normal zone, we were we were a zone team, and we weren't great at it year one. We got a lot better at it late in the season, kind of like what we were just talking about. Um, but then all of a sudden, year two, it's like we knew exactly how it worked, exactly how to manage it. We knew when to come off of a combo block, when to go help a guy from the backside. We understood that the defender could slant at any moment, and we had to be ready to pick him up. You know, how to not open up too much or how to gain some depth with your step. All those things come over time. So uh, it's just I think there are a lot more intricate details that are going to be necessary in what they're going to do now. I mean, listen, that pass set, it's tough to learn. And, yeah, there are different ways to take it at times, but it's essentially the same thing. So once you do it, you do it. And think about – we talked about reps. Think about how many times they took that pass set. In practice, that's one thing an offensive lineman can do. You can go take your pass set and work against guys. You can actually get better that way. It's tough to get better at run blocking without being in full pads. Like, yeah, I can work my wide step and your depth and different things like that, how to keep your base, but it's just to truly get better at it, you need to be doing it full speed. And so I think going from what Mullen was doing to what Leach did, there is, there's an easier step as to you're, only, you're, you're not going to do as many things that are totally different. But in this offense, you're going to be doing some things that are totally different, and those things can change on the fly. And those are what you really have to get good at if you're going to master being able to run this offense. Do you like the fit of Will Rogers in this offense? I don't know yet. I mean, I like Will Rogers in general um, just because I think he's accurate. I think he understands timing. Um, you know, I think, I think the spring game was a perfect example of it. I mean, you watch his first four or five throws, and you're like, holy hell, this is going to be bad. But then you watch his last four or five throws, and you're like, okay, he's going to be fine. Like he understands when to get the ball out, where to put the ball. I, I am very anxious to see Will Rogers with a good running game because he takes me as a guy that off-play action, like understanding what's probably going to be there, what should be there, 
and then not having to see every like not having to see a receiver already be open, but how to anticipate where to put the ball. Like coming off a of play action and knowing, all right, we got one on one right there. Like I'm putting this over the front shoulder on a corner out five yards away from the sideline. Like I think he can do that. And I think that he's going to need reps. Yeah, it's going to take time. But I think he's a guy that could run any offense. I mean, I just, I, I think he's dedicated. I think he's accurate. He has a strong enough arm. Like, no, he doesn't have Anthony Richardson or Will Levis's arm, but he's got a strong enough arm to be able to make all the throws. And he just, he understands football. So I'm, I'm anxious to watch it. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly how great he's going to be in it, but I wouldn't bet against Will Rogers just because of what I've already seen with him. Should be interesting stuff. Cole Kublik, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. All good, man. Thanks for having me. Always fun. So kind of the point I want to take away from what Cole had to say, and I want to thank Cole for uh, for joining me. Always a great pleasure to talk to him. Uh, is this, and I feel like, Robbie, and, you know, for, for a fan base that sort of, like, plays the chip on their shoulder and nobody likes us and nobody believes in us, the, the national people I've talked to, and this is two weeks in a row with, with Jacob Hester and Cole Kublik, not only national college football analysts, former SEC players. Mm-hmm. So they should know what they're talking about. They have a lot more respect for Will Rogers, it feels, than the average Mississippi State fan does that is at least active on message boards and social media. Most people do. That, that's been... It's interesting. Well, I feel like this fan base a lot of times tends to be a little more on the negative side mm-hmm. when it comes to and a little more harsh and we I mean we kind of fall on that too mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of times that we we hold a microscope on players and coaches and teams that a lot of teams a lot of people around the league don't and mm-hmm. that I think that's probably normal what I would say is this that when I talk about will Rogers for the most part, and I talk about the, the 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 deficiencies or whatever. I realized that offensively last year the system didn't do him a lot of favors. Mm-hmm. You know, when State ran the ball, he was always really good. The only exception is the Egg Bowl, where he just played a really poor game. But against Arkansas and against Texas A and M and against Memphis and and Arizona, when State was making an attempt to run the football, Will Rogers was great. Yeah, you know, and when they it's when they put him in the situation, they're like, "Hey, throw it sixty times. We're not going to do anything else." That he couldn't do anything. So, Will Rogers, the player, I never, you know, I felt okay about. It was Will Rogers, the situations they were putting him in, that I had issues with. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the biggest, you know, question mark, I guess. Um, moving into now, year four with Will Rogers is got a little bit different offense and. We knew what he could do in the air raid. We knew the big numbers were going to come there. How does he fare in this offense? That's that's a fair question from everybody outside of this realm, from the the uh, college football analyst to you know other teams fans, people like that. What's Will Rogers going to do in this current offense? Because it is much different than the air raid. Um, and that's why I've been so adamant that I think he's going to be better in this offense than he was in the air raid because I think that there's going to be situations where he's going to have a lot less pressure on him. When you know you're going to drop back and pass the ball 70% of the time, it's a lot more difficult, I think, on a quarterback to, to play his game. So Will Rogers has a chance now to be in an offense that you know can lure a defense to sleep a little bit. He's going to be facing more 
man-to-man defenses. We've seen what he can do to man-to-man defense, and he's had some success there. I see no reason why he can't be better in this offense than he was the last three years. Well, I mean, and like we've just said, you know, he's going to have help. He's going to be put into he's going to be put into situations that are more manageable for him. You know, even like third and two last year was a throwing down a lot of times for Mississippi State, and everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. So teams now, could pin their ears back, or they could yeah drop eight right. and make sure that everything's in front of them. And now now it's going to be a situation where third and two. I mean, you're going to have to have real guesswork as to what Mississippi State's going to do. So I think that's going to put Will Rogers in a much better situation. I also think that teams knew that he wasn't trying to throw over the top, and that's not going to be the case this year. He's going to go deep more. And he showed in the spring game the arm that he can get those those balls 40, 50 yards down the field. Will Rogers could end up being a big revelation for, for, for SEC fans because I think everybody's sort of pegged him with that system quarterback logo. Everybody's kind of pegged him with, you know, well – yeah, but they portnoyed him. Oh my gosh! But th- I think this year he has a chance to. I mean, he really does have a chance to. You know, it sounds cliche, but to silence his critics. If he goes out and in a new system has a good year, becomes the SEC's all-time leading passer, there's not really a whole lot. Especially if he gets MSU back to another nine, eight, nine, ten win season. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot you can say about him. The guy has as a good a legacy as anybody. Not only in in, in 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 Mississippi State, but in terms of you know the tier of non championship winning quarterbacks, what else could that guy have done? And I think too, it's got a chance to be a revelation for Mississippi State's offense as a whole. I mean, what are we hearing from from these people that you're talking to? I mean, you talk to Jacob Hester, and um, and he's right to be skeptical, and everybody is. You have a coach that's not been an offensive coordinator in this league, bringing an offense that. By the numbers, looks like an offense that's going to be fifty-fifty, going to run the football a good bit, and you're bringing it into a personnel that hasn't been running that style of offense. The, people were right to be skeptical of it, but I think that there is the skill set in this group to be really good and to be better than they were offensively the last three years. I, I don't. I'm not as down on this offense or as skeptical of this offense as a lot of people are just because I know what state has coming back. I know they have a, a Tulu Griffin and a Xavion Thomas that they can put in the slot for big plays. I know they have a fourth year wide receiver in Jaden Wally. I know they have a guy in Justin Robinson who really was coming on late last year. I know they got Jaquavius Marks, a four year starter. I know they got the number one Juco back in America. Now you got a Penn state running back. You got offensive linemen that are built for this kind of offense you got a four-year starter at quarterback. You have you know, a, a three-year starter at tight end. It just feels like the weapons are there for this offense to be good. It's not like you're having to totally change your personnel to fit what you're doing offensively. I think it's going to be the other way around. I think Kevin Barbet is going to be able to adjust his offense to fit the personnel that he has. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think State's offense is going to be just fine. They, they have pieces in place to be really good. And that's going to be a revelation for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people that think this offense is going to be in rebuilding mode. They're they're going to take a, a year of transition, maybe a couple years transition to get the right players. State has the right players to run this offense. I, th- I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Uh, speaking of players to, to run the offense, 
All right, back into the transfer portal. Mississippi State goes for Penn State running back Kevon. Is it Kevon? Sure. Okay, Kevon Lee. Doesn't matter what his name is. Uh, this is a guy who two years ago was the leading rusher for the Nittany, Nittany Lions. He battled injuries all season last year. Now comes to Mississippi State. Interesting in that, you know, you felt between Marks, Price, Pittman, and Davis, they might be pretty set there. This, this strikes me as a move of they really want to redshirt Seth Davis. They would like to redshirt him. And so this becomes the fourth back. And he's more of the back. He, he, he is more cut from the mold of what Dylan Johnson had. But now you're getting a guy who's proven it already at the Power 5 level, whereas with Pittman, he is a JUCO back, and you don't, you don't really know what you have. Yeah, and I mean, you're bringing him in to be basically your number two. And sign me up for a guy that's played for a top 25 program for the last couple of years and produced uh, and been a leading rusher being your number two guy. I mean, I, I don't know if there was another guy out there that they could have gotten, especially this late in the process, that you felt could replace what you lost with Dylan Johnson. And on top of that, now you can bring uh, Seth Davis along slowly. You don't have to throw him in there this year. You know, Simeon Price has been injured, and you don't have to you know rely on that. You don't have to put so much of those carries on Jeffrey Pittman and um, and Jaquavius Marks. So I think this is, I mean, best case scenario for Mississippi State this late in the process. You got a really good running back crew right now, and it gets you kind of prepared for next season because you're going to have Marks going out the door. I guess Lee would be leaving. How many years is he? I haven't, I haven't really looked at this. Oh, he's got another year. Okay, so I mean, he's a yeah. guy that can compete for a starting spot next year with Pittman, mm-hmm. Seth Davis, Simeon Price, possibly. Mm-hmm. You're in really good shape in that running back room right now, and that, it goes back to what I'm saying. Like, you you've got the skill set to make this offense really effective in this league. Yeah, it's interesting to see how you know it's worked for State. You've seen what four receivers hit the portal, five receivers hit the portal: uh, Dorch, Pope, uh, Hobson, Brown, and I'm, I'm missing somebody here. We're not counting ducking. Uh, somebody else. I forget who it was. But you're seeing these guys all hit the portal, the receivers, because they know the, the, the receptions aren't going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be fewer receptions. The, re- the, the rotation is going to be tighter. was the other one, right? Brown, Hobson, Caden Pope, Marquez Dorch. I thought there was another one in there, but I guess Ra Ra. Ra Ra, yeah, but that's, that's kind of a different situation. You know, that, that's not exactly uh, just... He would have still been the top guy in the rotation. Oh, I thought you were just naming off the guys yeah. that left. I'm just talking about the guys. I'm talking about the spring guys okay. more than anything else. But you're seeing running backs want to come in to what is, you know, technically, I mean, there's there's four scholarship running backs there, but they know that there's going to be opportunities in this offense for them. I keep going back to what we talked about with Jacob Hester, and, you know, it feels like the college game, you know, Obviously, it's never going to go back to three yards in a cloud of dust, but it does feel like the running game is having a little bit of a renaissance. Yeah, you know, and especially in the SEC, where Georgia is going to be a running team, Alabama looks like they're going to be more of a running team. Obviously, Mississippi State's going to be more of a running team. LSU signed a uh, transfer running back from Notre Dame who rushed for 800 yards last year. They're going to want to focus on him. Ole Miss, for everything we we talk about with Lane Kiffin, that's a running team. They run the football. I mean, well, their passing game is so good because they're running. Game. Because it, when you have a guy who's going to rush for, I mean. Right now, Judkins is probably going to rush for 15, 1,600 yards next year. I mean, that's a ton. Don't let anybody tell you that the running game is not important. No, it is. It's very important. I so. mean, we. I mean, you can, you can break down. Uh, there's people that have tried to argue with me about 
you know, state last year with the air raid. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the games that we ran the ball was because we're trying to run the clock out. No. No, not true. The majority of those runs came in the first half, and you built a lead because of it. Uh, if you go break down the numbers and you go look at the games that Mississippi State was really good offensively, more often than not, it was because they were running the football 20 to 25 times. And that's still an important factor for an offense. I don't think that you can come out there consistently against defenses in this league and throw the football 70% of the time. I, I just don't believe in that. And I, and I don't think anybody else really believes in it either because it's not happening in a lot of places. And if you look at the national championship contenders every year, they're running the football as much as they're passing it or maybe slightly less or some slightly more. The running game is still very important to a team's success on the offensive side of the ball. Now, Georgia and Alabama, it's a lot easier to run the football and impose your will Mm -hmm. than it is at some other places because the players. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no question. The running game is going to be key for a lot of good teams this year, and we'll see if Mississippi State can be one of those good teams. All right. The last part of the show is going to be a little bit of a, a gratuitous for me and Robbie, but it just has to be what it is. But let's move on into that. And that's thanks to our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. Uh, this weekend, if you're going to fire up the grill, throw some beef on there. Burgers, steaks, great. Tri-tip, picanha, fantastic. Beef ribs, outstanding. Brisket, why not? Do it all. It's all great stuff, and it's all starting when you put beef onto the grill. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. Go to msbeef.org if you need recipes. Talk to your butchers. Talk to your meat market guys. They'll hook you up. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. And don't forget, when you support Two Brothers, when you go grab a meal there, you're supporting the Bulldog Initiative. That's right. Two Brothers is a Bulldog Initiative business, which means every dollar that you spend there, part of that heads right back into our athletes, our athletes, into the athletes at Mississippi State. Try, try not to do that. Try to stay try to stay professional. We'll see how it goes. Wherever you, and, of course, the best part about this is you get to spend that money on a delicious meal, one of the best in Starkville. It's not just barbecue. It's smoked southern soul food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products, great service. That's the the way it goes at, at Advantage Business Systems. And it has that gone that way for 48 years. That's a long time. Long time to be doing anything. Definitely a long time to be taking care of your customers. And that's the only way to stay open that long, is to take care of your customers. They do it at Advantage Business Systems. If you need technology, give them a call. If you need service on those products, you call them back, and they'll take care of you. Just the same way they have, once again, for 48 years. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. The Rogue and the Collegiate Collection at The Rogue. That's what you need to look at this Father's Day. Dad is tired of walking around like a giant billboard for Adidas. You need to get him something cool. You need to get him something stylish. You need to check out the Polos and The Rogue's Collegiate Collection. Great name brands. The fantastic service that you get from The Rogue, one of the South's top men's clothing stores. Oh, and it's got the logos that you want. The M over S, the state script, the walking bully. If you haven't checked it out yet, you need to do it now. Shop online at therogue.com or visit The Rogue in Jackson. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at The Rogue. Luva Wine Bar. This summer, that's going to be the place to be. When you want to go out for an evening on the town, you want to go to Luva Wine Bar. You can make a reservation on their Facebook page 
or just pop in and find out what everybody's talking about. Grab a glass of wine from their incredible curated list. Grab a craft cocktail. And if you're hungry, artisanal flatbreads and charcuterie plates right there. Some of the best eating in Starkville. It's a place everybody's going to want to go if they haven't been already. Head over to 509 University Drive and to Luva Wine Bar. So, on uh, Wednesday morning, and by the way, if, if you're if you're don't want to hear anymore, if you're only here for MSU sports, you can stop now. But if you're this inter- isn't wrestling talk, it's don't not worry. wrestling. It's not don't wrestling. worry. But we're going to tell you about it. Something I think we think is exciting. So you know, Robbie and I for months have been talking about you know we should do this thing where we go around to these little places that sell catfish and and, and you know these great fish houses in Mississippi and, and do that. Well, what's going to happen is exactly that. We have reached out to our good friends over at Superior Catfish, which is a fantastic Mississippi company selling USDA farm-raised catfish. It's American product. It's a Mississippi product. It's local farmers. We were there at their uh, processing plant on Wednesday meeting with them. We got a great tour of the facility. Robbie was a dummy and wore shorts in a room where there was negative 10 degrees. And we enjoyed some delicious, delicious fried catfish after that. And they are going to bring you the Thunder and Lightning Catfish Tour this summer. Uh, We're going to visit some stops all around the state of Mississippi, North Mississippi, Central Mississippi, South Mississippi, and here in Starkville uh, that that are, are, are putting superior catfish out there. That's the top quality product. That's available to you guys right now. So if you when you go to a restaurant, and you, if they're not selling superior catfish, eh, you might want to. Eh. And we're and we're going to eh. we're going to let you see some of the restaurants that yeah. are serving those. I mean, so that's yeah, the, that's this the is cool going thing to become. So this is going to be a, a situation where we're going to do a thunder and lightning at these restaurants. Uh, we're going to have some local celebrities. At these restaurants, we'll talk to the restaurant owners. We'll talk to some of the locals uh, around town. But we're also going to do a full show from there. So we'll let you know the dates. And if you want, if you're in that area and you want to come out and say hello and grab a delicious catfish meal with us, we can do that for you as well. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to start filming uh, at the beginning of June, and by the uh, middle of July, we'll have everything out. It'll be available on the Super Talk YouTube channel if you want to see the videos, and the podcast themselves obviously be available here on our podcast feed. But we met some great people today with Brent and Pam and had a, a great conversation with them, and they told us all about the history of Superior Catfish and what they're doing and what they've got going for them. And it's it's a great, great company, a great facility, and the best part about it is it's Mississippi people, and yep. we like that. So. It's funny. We just sort of spoke it into existence, right? want to give our thanks to our friend Robbie Koblenz from Broadcast Media Group. He's going to be doing the production and the filming and all this, and he's working with us on that. It's going to be a really cool you know, uh, thing for us to do. We're looking forward to it very, very much, and uh, we get to eat some great catfish. And that catfish was really good. And it was just like one of those deals where Brent just went in there and was like, hey, can you just... You know, they, they were doing uh, – You, I mean, folks just don't have a clue the process unless they're involved in it themselves. I mean, if you're anything like me, you just see, you know, a plate of catfish, um, uh, you know, at your table or on a buffet or something. You don't really think about how this was produced. And what they got there at Superior and Macon, Mississippi, is just unbelievable. The whole process that they have um, – I mean, we're talking about 70-plus – tons of fish coming in just you know every day mm-hmm. and um 70,000 70, tons 70,000 70,000 yeah no pounds 70 pounds 70 
thousand pounds. Seventy thousand. And seventy thousand tons would be so a lot. Seventy thousand pounds is seventy. Of, well, it ton. is now. Is it's thirty five tons? Thirty five. Okay. Yeah. Look, they, they we are doing this to why are we doing math? Show people we can eat. Yeah. Not that we can do math. We came here to eat, not to add. <laughs> so. We I get dumber and dumber every single time I talk. We have got some great locations already set up, including here in Starkville. Uh, we're trying to put a couple of more together. We want to visit the Pine Belt. We want to visit uh, a, little bit, a little further north Mississippi. Yep. Uh, so those are coming to us, and we will have a list of dates. It's going to be like a tour. Yeah. You know, it's going to be like when the Foo Fighters go on tour, only, only, only bigger. Well, that's what that's what we've wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the logistics side of things. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always go right for me, right? But I have these things in my mind, and you do too. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to do it a certain way or whatever. But the way that this has all worked out is as good as I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're going to be able to, you know, serve the fans out there by giving you a really good show. I think. Uh, I mm-hmm. think we're going to have some good interviews. We're going to talk some sports in the summer. And um, hear from some different people that are involved with Superior Catfish. They're involved with Mississippi State as well. I think you'll hear some from some voices from the past. Uh, hopefully, if we can get all that squared away, and we're going to have a really good production from Robbie Koblenz, who's mm-hmm. just excellent. I've yeah. worked with Robbie before. If you've, you've ever seen the uh, the great film you know, One Night in March about the Mississippi State uh, Loyola game from 1963, that's the broadcast media group. That's yeah. Robbie Koblenz who put that together. Robbie just does it right, mm-hmm. and um, he he's a big part of this whole production. Not not just the video side of it, us meeting Brent and Pam and everybody at Superior because he has those relationships there. So uh, a big shout-out to him for, for helping set this up. But this is – I'm a, I'm a fan of Mississippi. I love the culture here. I love the food. But most importantly, I love the history and finding those little holes in the wall. And we'll, we'll obviously go to a couple of places that you know, mm-hmm. too. I mean – We'll be around here. You'll know some places that we go to. You'll know some faces. But we want to show you the type of product that Superior puts out. There's been a there's been a few pieces of catfish that we've talked about before mm-hmm. that we had no idea Superior was yeah. it was their catfish. Mm-hmm. And we've told you we feel like this is some of the best we've ever had. Yeah. And Brian and I aren't just blowing, you know, smoke up your skirt here. Like no. we we know good food. Yeah. I feel like. And we had some of this catfish today. And they just food. threw it. I am good. good. I mean, he literally just said, "Hey, can you just like throw a few pieces of catfish in the in the fryer real quick?" And um, you know, thank God this woman like was able to kind of put away the things that are actually important to give us some catfish. And they have their own personal, you know, um, breaded mix. Uh, you know, we got to sample some of that, and it was delicious. I'm telling you, this catfish is legit, and the product that they have there, how they produce it, it's top of the line. You know, they made us cover up our beards. I looked like a fool in a hairnet wearing shorts. We'll have some pictures that we're going to tweet out of, of the two of I'm us. A little, I'm a little concerned about the picture of me in the freezer. That was a little embarrassing. He's sitting there shivering, wearing shorts, and I, I just looked at, at, at our, our tour guide, Keith, and I was like, how cold is it in there? He's like, it's negative 10 degrees. I was like, you idiot. You know what my wife said I looked like? What? She said I looked like a frumpy old lady. 
You know, you know what you look like. You know those people who like they they go on the boat at the Niagara Falls and it yeah. goes under the water and they, that's what you look like. But there's no water. You oh, just look like you're you're just about to die though because it's mean, so I, cold. I was just you we know, met some great folks today. It was, it was a lot of fun. So we'll have more information about that as we go. We'll get the list of the cities out there to you for the Thunder and Lightning Catfish Tour. Oh, uh, I can't An- wait. Annalise Presley is not invited. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for today. Tomorrow we'll talk, uh, I guess we'll have to talk, we'll, re- we'll recap uh, night one, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Uh, we'll have some more football talk for you as well. Guys, have a great Thursday. Back with you on Friday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.